on your pews, there are sheets of paper that says a rough guide in dark times. It'll be on one side of your pew or the other. And if you'd pass those down, these will be the notes we're working off of for the next two weeks. I wanted you to have the notes because I think it's important to learn how we make decisions as Christians, and especially in very dark times, such as now. These are not the darkest times. The world has had many darker times than this, but this is darker than many of us have known in your lives. And theology only works if it works, if it really works on the ground in daily life. And sometimes we don't do a great service to our young folk because we'll tell stories and we'll try to make some applications, but it doesn't really apply to their life. And so what we then do is we make a bunch of rules. Rules will not make you more holy. Rules will not make you a better Christian. What we have to do is design a way of life. And that's what Christianity is supposed to be. Not a ritual, not a set of rules or traditions, but a way of life. And because of that, I figured that it might be nice to teach you a little bit of Socratic questioning, if nothing else, so that you can guide your way through things without the rules. When I was raising my children, I was conscious every day that my job was to get them ready to live without me, to go on without me. And to do that, it had to be more than don't do this, but do this. It had to be the whys, the wherefores, the reasons behind things. And that's what we're working on today. Let's start with this first section. And by the way, if you didn't get a set of notes, there are still some up front. We can get some to you, and there will be more out here next week uh, to, to add to these. Many people don't make right decisions because they don't understand it's possible to make no decision at all. And making no decision is a decision. Take a look at these passages in Joel Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes, for the winepress is full, and the vats overflow, so great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And look at the next one. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I've set, you, set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live. You have a decision to make. Sadly, most people go through their life not making a decision, which means they've made a decision. Let me explain. I had a lady once in my office whose husband had left her. He had found a new model he decided to go with. Now she was trapped and depressed and sad, of course, all of those things. And so I talked to her. I said, well, are there any dreams in your life that you've had that you've not you never worked on because you gave up so much of your life to put your husband through school. And she goes, well, I always wanted to get my degree. And I said, well, why don't we work on that? And she goes, no, I have to, I have to work 40 hours a week at the grocery store just to make ends meet. And I said, you know, there are, uh, this time was in the 80s, uh, there weren't onlines. There are evening and weekend options to help you get your degree. And she says, well, I've looked into those. And by the time I finished it, I, I would be 46 years old. I said, well, how old will you be in eight years if you don't do your degree? She had not quite understood that not making a decision was making a decision. She was, 
she had put it off or said, no, I can't make that. We're so stuck in the valley of decision. God says, pick a side. Pick a side. What side are you? And what happened in Oregon this week, many of us remember, that's not new. It happened in Columbine as well. They targeted believers and asked them if they were still Christians before they shot them. Pick a side. Pick what you're going to do. Pick who you are. And then move forward with it. We also allow ourselves to adopt the world's standards of things like right and wrong and success. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 55. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, what does all this have to do with this? Everything. We take people who play ball very well or who pretend, spend all of their life pretending to be other people, reading words that yet other people wrote for them, and we call these people stars. God says, pick your idea of success more carefully. David Nevin is a name that won't be known to most in here because he was an actor in older times. But many will have seen some of his his movies. He was the consummate English gentleman. And in all the movies, he was the consummate English, suave, sophisticated um, uh, lover. Later in his life, he was asked on an American talk show. There was a talk show called Dick Cavett at that time. He was asked, what does it take to be a great lover? And his response was, a great lover is somebody who makes one woman happy her entire life. For you see, he had only married once in his life, and he stayed married all of his life to that one woman and was faithful to that one woman. He said, that's harder, but that's success. Success, we we, we cannot let the world decide what success is. It's not a bigger house. It's not a better car. It's not more money. People who have all those things are also taking more antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs than have ever been prescribed in the history of mankind. It's not enough to settle for what the world says is a win. We need to adopt God's standards, not the world's standards. And that means in everything, in absolutely everything. And too many people, by the way, fail to make the right decision because they're not in a group that is making the right decisions. They join a church like they would choose a favorite store. Now think about this for a minute. Um, I'm I'm a very special individual. I don't, you probably recognize that immediately, but um, I'm I'm a member at at Sam's Club. And um, not, not, not everybody, you know, scoff if you wish, but not everybody can just waltz right in. But, but I can, I can. And, 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 and I, just, I wave a wee card, and, and pfft, I'm in. And I can just do what I want to in there. I can buy 100 gallons of mayonnaise. I can do whatever I want to in that store because I'm a member. However, if they fail to please me, I'm also a member at Costco. <laughs> and that's the way people do churches. That's the way they do. Well, I'll go there as long as they please me. But if they don't, if, you know, as a consumer of religious services, if I'm not happy, 
with the selection or the management, I shall move on to another store who shall take care of my needs. Who is your God in such circumstances? Is it not yourself? You're the one who must be pleased. I, we have several friends here who are here from Rochester, Michigan, where we lived for 10 years and left a big part of our heart there. We have some other friends here that um, uh, here from Colorado. My wife's from Colorado, and we dearly love them as well. One of the uh, men who's now an elder, and I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to say his name, now an elder at Rochester, at that time was a member, and he worked uh, in a sound and tech booth. Maybe we could get him here. Um, But I knew that he was more conservative than our church was. And I knew that some of the things we did bothered him. And so one time I just asked him, and I said, why are you still here? And he looked at me like I was an idiot, but I'm used to that look, so I was all right. And he said, this is my church. These are my people. I'm not leaving. He says, you, I don't have to agree with everything. These are my people. This is my family. I've never forgotten that. He had made the right decision. He wasn't able to be won by a different shop with different variety that said, we can please you more. We also often listen to the wrong people. One of them, one of the hardest things to do is to stop and ask, who are you listening to? What are the voices in your head? And what are they saying? Long time ago, back in the 70s, there was a form of psychology that was brought out, a psychotherapy, and it's still out there, quite powerful, and, and it works, and most modalities do, uh, and it's called transactional analysis, and it was basically, uh, you may have heard of the book, I'm okay, you're okay. That was a kind of an early primer of what it was, but one of the things that it asked you to do was to stop when you're doing something and ask yourself, what voice are you listening to? And if it's a voice in your own head, if you think, no, it's my own voice, what voice, who does that sound like? You know, if it sounds like your crazy aunt, it might not be the thing to do. Who are you listening to? Look at this passage in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out, be separate. Now, does that mean we should be Amish or the like? And you've got to respect the Amish, but no, that's not what he means. He doesn't mean to separate ourselves physically from the world. He means to separate yourself in the way you make decisions and the way you live your life. One of the ways, that, one of the things that I really respect about the Orthodox Jews is that they spend from day one with their children when the children look and see other kids get to dress a different way, other kids get to do their hair a different way, other kids get to go do different things, they talk to them every day about, that is fine for them, but our people do this. We are this kind of people. We, we do it this way. We don't do it that way. And it develops that sense of community and identity in them. We need to be the people that listen to the right voices that keep us in the group. The right voices, the voices of God that tell us, this is right, let's go with this, or this is wrong, back away from this. Here's the problem with listening to the wrong voice. The devil is really, really, really good at helping you try something once. 
Because the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you sin and not die immediately. I'll explain. Because once you do that thing, I don't know whatever that thing is that you'd always been afraid of doing, but then you did it. The next day you wake up and the devil will tell you, see? Because if you do the thing you fear, the death of fear is certain. And then you become comfortable with what used to frighten you. Now, that can be a positive if you're doing something brave for Jesus. It's a negative if it's a sin. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose? And we're going to talk more about this as we move forward. Also, another problem is we've never really fully committed ourselves to God. We're still flirting with the world. There are a whole lot of married people who are acting like they're more engaged than married because they flirt with the world. They flirt with others. I've even had guys tell me, oh, you know, I tease and flirt with people, but they know I'm not serious. Stop it. Stop it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm married to Cammy. Now, that severely limits my dating life. <laughs> Before then, just being Patrick severely limited it. But now, <laughs> it's limited in addition to, to, to what we had before. You're not going to see me flirting with other folk, and you're not going to see me doing it. Why? Because I'm married, and God does not want you to be married to him, but flirting with sin, to seeing how far you can go with anything. Now, here's an illustration out of the dark past of the 1960s. At that time, preachers would often preach sermons based on 1 Corinthians 11, saying it's a sin for a man to have long hair. They, they loved to grab things out of context and run with it, and they were terrified that the Beatles would end a civilization as we know it. So they said, it's a sin for man to have long hair. I can remember when I went to Fried Hardeman, and I did. Yeah, they don't like to bring that up, but I did. <laughs> On the first day, uh, they, they, sat, they took us up in the old administration hall, and they read all the rules to us. And there we are sitting with all the portraits of the great restoration leaders and early church preachers. And, and they, you know, just, boy, a lot of rules. And with the boys, your hair could not touch your ears, your collar, or your eyebrows, and no facial hair. And I'm looking around at all these portraits thinking, none of these guys could get in. <laughs> I wasn't always the easiest person to school, I guess. But even I knew it was wrong when some others around me would kind of snort and go, yeah, but how long is long? And I was thinking, that's the wrong question. That's, you know, we can talk about, is this in context? Is this correct? We can do all that. But to say how long is long is asking how far can I go and still be okay? That's not a good question. To go up to Cami and say, how much can I flirt about with other people and still be married? is not healthy. That's not a good thing. And to go to God and wonder, how much can I play with the world and still be okay with God is not a healthy question. The idea is to run to God, not to see how far you can get from him. And in our decisions, we've got to decide, is this bringing me closer to God or is this seeing how far I can go? So understand, every action has a consequence. Now or later, for now or eternity, every action has a consequence. We are releasing good or we are releasing evil into the universe by every action. We make a decision. If you do this, other than that, on the way home yesterday, 
looked over at my wife and I said, sometimes I wonder about what the world would be like if you and I had never met. And she thinks about that sometimes too and just gets this smile and it's a one, but I, I said, I think about what the world would be like without Kara and Duncan in it, our kids, and those four fantastic grandkids. I said, the world would be such a sadder place if we had never met. We talked about consequences, and it unleashes, and it changes things. Understand your actions matter. Your decisions matter. Your words matter. What you decide to do with your life, your words, your money, all of that matters. What one person does affects another, and another, and another. You'll have some people say, it's my life. Not so much. No, not really. You, for example, um, there, are, there are people that want to ride motorcycles without helmets. I'm actually fine with that, because I'm a big freedom type guy, and I, just, I figure it'll also thin the herd. And that way we'll only have intelligent motorcycle riders left. But anyway, some of them will say, it's my life if I have an accident, that's just, that's all on me. No, you see, somebody has to come look at your body and pick it up and clean it. And they have to clean the road, and they have to, you, what you do is going to be in their mind too. It's got actions in their head too. It matters. It's not just your life. Several of you have seen my, my schedule, schedule um, for the last um, couple of weeks. You know, this last week I drove over 2,200 miles, gave over a dozen talks in several states, and people, uh, you know, they would say, oh, well, you had. So someone else asked me this. They said, what's your favorite part of traveling? I, I don't have a favorite part. I don't like any of it at all. Then why do you do it? Jesus. It's not my life. I've done a death ritual. Two, in fact. Baptism and the supper. Uh, it's his life. That's what we're doing here. You've made the same decision. So many of you have as well. It's not just me. Realize that we're paying, what we're paying for living in a sinful world. Can we just play for a minute? Do this with your kids as well, or do it with each other. What would this world be like if everybody was a Christian? We would be fantastically wealthy. We would be. You wouldn't have to fund military. You wouldn't have to fund police forces. You wouldn't have to fund anything that's involved with aggression or protection. You wouldn't have to buy locks for the house. You wouldn't have to buy insurance. Sorry, a couple of our agents. Uh, we'd, we'd get you jobs. We'd get you jobs. Um, there are a couple openings, right? Anyway, um, maybe I should do that after I'm done with the microphone. Um, we, uh, think of the money you wouldn't have to spend. Are you aware of how much theft and fraud adds to the cost of every single thing you buy. It adds thousands to the price of a car. It, add, it nearly doubles the price of most of your medication. Theft, fraud, uh, people, if we realize what we're paying for living in sin, it's horrible. And there's more. What about guilt, shame, uh, fear, all of that sort of thing? You are, you're leaving that, you're, 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 you're adding to it if you make decisions that feed that. We should not give aid and comfort to the enemy. 
I, I love guitar. I play guitar every day. Not good at it, but I still love it. Uh, and I only listen to music which has guitar, and, it, and I prefer no words, just the guitar. There was a guy coming into our area years ago, uh, a, a band, and they, had, they play some amazing guitar. And yet I knew that only about one or two of their songs could I listen to as a Christian. One of the guys with me was, was saying, oh, we got to go. This guy, that guy is fantastic on guitar. And I looked at him and I said, I can't give that guy money to continue to do what he's doing. I can't give aid and comfort to the enemy. I can't say, here, love, you know, I'm a big fan of 5% of what you do. And then give him money for his next song that blasts Jesus or Christianity or morality. People, we got to decide to either shine in the darkness or join the darkness. But you cannot play, I'll just be a little dim. That's not the way this works. Make your decision. Draw your line. Here we go. Got to check time here. Oh, there's a clock back there. Never really think of that one. Anyway, you might put a strobe on it. Um, Ask yourself some questions. Who in the world is influencing me? Big question. Who's influencing me that I have to do this? They, they'll, they'll try. We're on the red carpet. Look at these dresses. These are the ones we're making fun of. These are the ones we like. These are the ones that are too much. These are the ones that are... Um, who's telling you this, and do you really want to be like them? That's important. Now, when I was in, in high school, uh, smoking was still done in school. They had a smoking area. Some of you remember that? You had it in America too. And the teachers and the students would go out there and smoke together and then come back in. Uh, and the car guys, I love cars. I've always loved cars. And the cool car guys were car guys. And they always smoked and skipped classes and refute, they, were, they were sarcastic to the teachers and they were too cool for school. And I... I loved cars, and I wanted to be cool, but I kept looking at them thinking, I'm not really sure that's headed where they want to go. And sure enough, they ended up with jobs that meant they could never have a cool car because they, they scoffed at education. They skipped the classes. Like, before you follow somebody, make sure you want to go where they're going. Make sure you want to end up where they're going to end up. Told you the story before, but I'll do it just very quickly again. Uh, I can drive left side of the road, right side of the road, fly a plane, or I used to be able to, uh, and, and pilot a, a boat. I can do all that sort of thing, but I can't figure out bus schedules at all. I just can't. There's something in my head. I, I look at it, and I just, doot, I got nothing. 17 years old, taken into to Glasgow, had to get some work done, and uh, needed to get back to East Kilbride. And my friend said, well, how are you going to get back? I said, I'll catch a bus. He looked at me, and I said, Go on, I'll do it. I'm, I'm brave. So I'm done. Mid-afternoon, come find this little guy, basically a, a coat with a hat on. And I, and, and I lean over and I say, which bus takes me to East Kilbride? And he said, you'll want the 33. And I went, all right, fair enough, 33. So I stood here, got on the 33. But it, what he didn't tell me was that I was supposed to get off after a couple of stops and get on the 13 and then ride it for two stops and get off and get on the 6. That was never mentioned. So I just stayed on the bus thinking, wow, they've moved East Kilbride. Seems to be taking quite a while to get home. 
I don't remember all these cattle in the city. Where did that happen? And then finally, uh, the bus driver stopped and he got off the bus and I realized, right, that's me, I'm getting off the bus. I had to ask people, what village am I in? I learned something that day. Don't get on the bus if you don't want to end up where it's going. And every word, every action, every decision is a bus. Are you ready to go where that's going? Are you really ready? It's kind of important to understand what are the long-term results of being like the people I'm trying to follow. Then, who in the Spirit is influencing me? Let's look at this, shall we? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. Hebrews says we have a cloud of witnesses. Who are you making cheer with this decision? Are the angels cheering or the dark side cheering? One of the goals of my life is to give the angels more to cheer about and not to hand anything over to the other side to let them cheer. Don't always make it, but that's a goal. Be aware there are spirits there. We are not alone in the universe and not everything out there likes us. Remember that. And then ask yourself this. Are my reasons for wanting to do this reasonable, valid, and Christian? Parents came by one day, many years ago, threw a 17-year-old daughter in there, basically, and said, fix her, we'll be back in an hour. And I'm going, what? Hang, hang on. Took you 17 years to mess her up. What do you, what, what do you think I can do in an hour? But I, I, I said that insight. Uh, I was running a counseling clinic, and I kept thinking, why are people telling me all their problems? Oh, yes. All right, fair enough. Um, anyway... So uh, she's, she was there, and she looked, looked at me, and just, <sighs> I was just going, um, what? Because 12 years of university will teach you those brilliant opening lines. I said, what? She goes, I hate my parents. I'm inside. I'm thinking, I'm not too fond of them right now either. <laughs> and I said, why? And she said, they won't let me date, and I forget the guy's name, Bob. I went, they they won't let you date Bob? And she looked at me and she goes, no. I said, Bo Bob? Bob, they won't let you date Bob. And she said, do you know Bob? I said, well, no, but that's not the point. Um, why won't they let you date Bob? And, and she said, well, just because he's not a Christian. I went, oh, let me go out and limb here. Um, would Bob happen to be fairly good looking and rather popular? She goes, well, she shrugged. She said, I guess. I said, well, if you're not certain, who could we call? She goes, well, no, he is. I said, great, great. Now, why do you want to date Bob? And she actually said, well, how are people ever going to be Christian if we're not around them? I went, oh, so it's not really a date. It's an evangelistic ploy. <laughs> you're sneaking up on them. So what's it going to be? Movie? Stop by Wendy's for a bit. He says, what's next? And you say, why don't we take a delightful moonlight stroll by the baptistry? <laughs> See what develops. 
I said, if you want to date Bob because he's good looking and he's cool, say, I want to date Bob because he's good looking and cool, and when he asked me to go out with him, it made me feel special and important. Be honest, and then we can deal with it. Then we can decide whether it's a good idea to date Bob. But, by the way, if your name's Bob, I'm really sorry. That was not the intention. Um, but don't come to me and say, I'm doing this for the cause of Jesus. I'm taking a bullet for the cause of Jesus right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date Bob. Really? Don't play with God like this. Another couple came into my office, sat down, oddest, second oddest counseling I ever had. First oddest was a lady mad at her husband because he would buy her things like flowers and cards. He's wasting money. I said, what would you like him to buy you? And she's, you can't make this she said, a chainsaw. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I didn't know they were here. Sorry. Um, I, I said, for what purpose? And they heated their house with wood. So, okay, that's, that's a valid person. Anyway, this was the second weirdest. They sat down, smiling, normal looking on the couch. And I said, what's the problem? And they, we always fight about everything. Yes, we do, everything. Well, what in particular? Finances, family, or the like. Yes, everything you can think of. That's true, everything you think. This went on for about five minutes. We're in counseling time, two and a half years. I, everything, every, they agreed about everything. And so I was saying, will you fight later today? He said, oh, absolutely, probably before we get home. Yes, okay. Um, the problem is... Until I see you disagree, I don't really know what's going on. So, do you have a cassette recorder? Oh, I'm sure we do. I'm, absolutely. Okay. Um, could, when you start an argument, could you record it and then bring it in and let me hear it? Oh, that'd be no problem. Sure, that'd be easy. All right. Next week they came in. They were not quite as happy. And I asked if they had any recordings, and they didn't. Because every time they started to argue, the other one would grab the recorder, and the first one would shut up. <laughs> now, people, your words are being recorded. Your actions are being monitored. Your God sees, and he says what is done in the dark will be brought into the light. Jesus even said, your words can be used against you in heaven. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. Understand, you really can't argue this before the throne of God, then you can't argue it. I've, I've actually put a chair in an office before and said, let's assume God's in it. Tell him why you want to do this. Take a look at Job. And we'll let this be our last passage today, and we'll save the rest of these notes. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I'm, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but, but I'll say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself. Oof. That's, that's not what you want to hear. You want to see Jesus holding the lamb. That's a better one. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Will you discredit my justice? Will you condemn me to justify yourself? Whew. 
That's what the devil did in the garden when he said, God's holding out on you. That fruit's all you need. And he's not letting you have it. And our, the devil still tries it today. The devil's holding, God's holding out on you. You need more than God is giving. We live in dark times. We have to make a decision. I'm going to ask Mark if you'd bring your team up. And I'll hand you your mic back in just a bit. <laughs> the, um, and by the way, the, the whole mic thing ploy is not to make you give more on Sunday, but if it works. Anyway, um, this is not the song we're about to sing. But when in, in Scotland, when we had to baptize some, we had to baptize, there's a reason I use that word. When we had to baptize people, the, our baptistry was the Irish Sea. That's cold. It's really cold. I can remember one time I got a call, 10.30 at night, a winter gale was going on, howling wind, horizontal snow. And my co-worker said, you know these two girls I'm studying with, they're ready to be baptized. I did not do myself much honor at that moment. <laughs> I looked outside and I said, you know, Ian, are, are they really sure they know what they're getting into? And have you gone over every, have you talked about selection of elders? I mean, they need to know all the way. And he, he's going, no, they're ready. And we're, we're heading out to Irvine and we're going to go off into the water. And okay. So we went down and turned on the lights of our cars and pointed them out so that people could find their way to the water and back. You could hear it. And I, I, to this day, I still say that we only baptized the bottom half. God got the top half with the, the waves that came in. And then we had to take him in blow dryer to keep him hot, you know, to, to get the ice out off of him. But we sang a song every time we went in that said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. In the whole armor of God, there is no back peace. For God will not protect you if you turn your back. We face forward. We make our decision. And he is our decision. Amen.